Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Aaron. Today on the show, we talk NFTs, I answer listener questions, and we have headlines. That's coming up today on the Decrypt Daily. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the show. Today is Friday, March 12th, 2021. I said I had a big show for you today. I had a guest cancellation. She was part of the show, and it was unfortunate. However, I'm going to give you half the conversations, plus listener questions, plus headlines today. Decrypt's executive editor, Jeff Roberts, posted an interesting article the other day about what are you actually buying with NFTs. I also talked to Kasala Hamachandra of My Ether Wallet today about if the NFT space is overvalued. That's coming up soon. But first, let's take a look at those crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. And I'm recording this at 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is sitting at $57,202, up 0.5% in 24 hours. Ethereum is in the number two spot at $1,780, down 1.5%. Binance in the number three spot at 273 down 10% on the FUD. Tether's at number four, while Cardano's is sitting at $1.08, down 4.5%. And Polkadot's at number 6 at 35.82, down 4.4%. Total market cap, we're at $1.72 trillion. And a BTC dominance of 61.7%. And now we're in our second week of our listener question experiment. I'm asking everybody, all listeners, to send me questions about the crypto space, about myself, about anything, just to hear what I have to say about it. You can send those to MatthewAaron at Decrypt.co. And every Friday, just like today, I'm going to give you those answers to those questions. Let's get into some of those listener questions. First question we have is from Corey or Corium. And this listener asks, how do you find a crypto that you can believe in? I know that we all want to be profitable, but for the long run, I want to put my money into something worthwhile. I'm hodling dot right now. Polka dot, that is. Where else can I look to find innovative DeFi besides your show? Thank you for that question. First, I put in the show notes a link to a site called DeFiPulse.com. And basically, it's a site that just looks and focuses on DeFi. First, it gives you the list of all the DeFi projects that it's monitoring. I think there's about 82 to 85 on it right now. And it tells you the prices or how much is wrapped up in their DeFi projects. It also has a summary of each project when you click on them, as well as supplemental news or links to their sites or their white papers and so on and so forth. So you can basically go to the site and look at all of those different 82 to 85 different DeFi projects and see what they're doing and see what fits. But the first part of your question, I think, is the interesting one. How do you find a crypto that you believe in? And that, in my opinion, is just by reading. If it's looking at Reddits like our Bitcoin or our cryptocurrency or our crypto, uh, being on crypto Twitter and just looking at different people and following what they have to say. And then slowly but surely, you'll find different projects that you believe in or you see that have great potential. Me personally, I'm very interested in voting on the blockchain and identity on the blockchain. I have been for a long time. There's two companies out there that I'm really looking at. One is called Votum. It's a Cleveland-based company. They're doing voting on the blockchain. And of course, Civic, which is Vinny Lingham's uh, project that is an ERC-20 token. Um, and I've been following that for a long time. He's doing identity on a blockchain. I don't know if these companies are actually going to moon in the future, but I do like these two ideas. And I'm looking for other places that are doing ID on the blockchain or voting on the blockchain as well, because that's what I really want to focus on. I think those are two great use cases. Some people like to bank the unbanked. Some people like decentralized finance. Some people like the payment method. 
Some people like the platform. Some people like the protocol. Some people like the infrastructure. Some people just like the ideas. Art on the blockchain. So many different things happening on the blockchain. So how can you find something you believe in? Read a lot. Go down every rabbit hole you can and then actually figure out what you're passionate about in your personal life, what your hobbies are. And then and then you could find a blockchain project that is actually doing that. Another one that I'm really interested in is space and space travel. How do you have a currency in space? I mean, you can't just carry a lot of money in space in your pocket and hand it off between spaceship to spaceship. There's going to have to be a way to transfer value if you're ended up mining asteroids or living on Mars or the moon and have some sort of interstellar commerce. I think blockchain and syncing like satellite nodes could be a solution to interstellar travel and commerce. And it's far off, but it's something I'm interested in. So in summary, go down the rabbit hole, read as much as you can. DeFiPulse.com, link is in the description and find out what your hobbies are and see if there's a blockchain project focusing on that. Next question is from Angel. Angel asks, what, who introduced you to crypto? Thanks for this question. And I've actually told this story numerous times, not on this podcast, but on my previous podcast and other podcasts. Here's the story. In 2013, a podcast called Stuff You Should Know came out with a What is Bitcoin episode in 2013. And I remember I was living in Shanghai at the time and I was walking down the street. I exactly remember exactly where I was walking and I was listening to this podcast because it was like, this is pretty cool. I want to get into Bitcoin. But to be perfectly honest with you, I didn't have the technical background. I didn't have the friends, the, the structure, the I had no clue how to get into this space. It was very complicated. It's still complicated. And it was even more complicated in 2013 when there was a lack of education, lack of podcasts, a lack of, I don't know, just a support community like we have now. And so I never got into it in 2013. However, however, three years later, my bartender, I was the general manager of a place in Shanghai. And my bartender at the time was buying and selling cryptocurrency via WeChat while he was on a shift, of course, like, bro, do your job. But and in China, there wasn't any kind of exchange at the time, at least that we didn't know about. What he would do is he would find a seller of Bitcoin, random place. He would then send them WeChat money because WeChat is kind of like, they have like, it's like a do everything app. PayPal, it's a social media site. It's a messaging app. It's so much. And so, it's like everything in one. So what he would do is he would send them, you know, maybe $1,000 for some Bitcoin and they would get $1,000 from WeChat. And then the person on the other end would send them back Bitcoin to his Bitcoin wallet. So he was trading Bitcoin at around late 2016 and, and he was telling me about making money on Bitcoin. And I got into it that way. He told me about wallets. He told me about how to buy and buy, how to sell. And then I kind of went down the rabbit hole myself and said, finally, I was thinking about this for about three years. It's about time for me to plunge down this rabbit hole. And late 2016, early 2017, I started my Coinbase account and then kind of dove in and started going down Reddit and figuring out the crypto space. And that led me to make my first podcast in mid-2017 called Crypto 101, where I thought, hey, this is too complicated. There is still no entry information of how to get people into cryptocurrency. And so I said, I'm going to fill that gap. I'm going to be the person to teach people about cryptocurrency, about exchanges, about buying and selling, make or take your fees, the lingo and everything. And that's kind of how I got into podcasting. That's kind of how I got to where I am now. And that's my story about how I got into Bitcoin. My bartender was buying and selling Bitcoin via WeChat while he was on duty. I was like, bro, what are you doing? You should be working. He's like, hey, I'm making a lot of money with Bitcoin. I said, oh, let me know how to do that. He taught me and the rest is history. And the final question for today is, although the idea of crypto is decentralization, at its core regulation is needed to protect the investor. Would you be opposed to have separate dedicated enforcement financial arms of the government to regulate crypto to investigate compliance, fraud, fairness, etc.? Yeah, I know as far as the United States, that's what the SEC does. But I believe the crypto world needs its own regulated agency that can work in conjunction with the SEC. 
This question is also from Angel, and this is an interesting question. I actually had to stop and think about it, and actually this is my third time recording this because I'm still trying to figure out what I really want to say with this. So take my answer with a grain of salt. But I think at this point, we don't know what we're going to regulate yet. I mean, sure, KYC AML, that's pretty obvious. We want to know your customer. We want to do anti-money laundering. And then the SEC is there for compliance when it comes to what a company is, securities. I mean, you just make a company like a company, they're going to be LLCs or corporations or S-corps or whatever. So you make your business and then you conduct your business. But I think that the SEC should just have a branch of researchers at this point to look at all the companies that are registered that are working in the crypto space or emerging technologies and actually figure out what they're doing. So let's do five years of research, 10 years of research before we figure out hey, what do we really want to regulate here? Because I think that if we regulate too early, we're going to stifle innovation. If we keep suing companies that are innovating outside of our pre-established boxes, then we're going to de-incentivize those companies or scare companies off from establishing themselves in the United States. And also, I think that we're just going to get it wrong because to understand cryptocurrency and blockchain, it's a it's a many-year endeavor. You're just not reading the Bitcoin white paper and going, oh, I get it. You're not just buying an NFT and going, oh, I get it. You're not just, you know, going into any aspect of the crypto space and understanding the full grasp of blockchain and what it can do. And I don't think we all know because people are still developing and innovating in the space. They're still creating new products. And those products in the way that they work, the way that they move throughout the space, the way that the user interfaces, the way that people use them is still trying to be established. So I guess what I would say is with this technology, yes, we should do KYC and AML. Yes, we should try our best to protect the consumers by having that KYC and AML and making sure that companies that are operating in the United States are operating under a company or a way of accountability saying, hey, if you guys are set up as a new blockchain crypto startup and making new projects, let's just make sure that these guys are accountable. So if they are scammers and frauds and try to run away with a lot of money, we know who they are. But then we just sit back and try to figure out what they're doing, what they're building, and just have a branch of researchers that understand this issue understand what is being built, and then find out the need for regulation. Because I think, again, in summary, if we have regulation too early, we stifle innovation. If we start cracking down on the wrong ideas, then we just basically block companies from setting up in the United States. And I think that we're just going to get it wrong if we start regulating now because we don't understand actually what the long-term consequences or long-term effects of this new emerging technology will be on the economy, will be on businesses, will be on people, will be on daily life. We just don't get it yet. So let's let it mature before we start saying, hey, we need to regulate here or here. And that concludes our listener questions. If you want to send listener questions in, please send them to MatthewAaron at Decrypt.co. NFTs are all over the news. They're definitely mainstream now. I woke up this morning, my girlfriend sent me a text of the New York Times publishing NFT sales in it. My friend in another city woke up and said, hey, this seems like something that you'd be into. NFTs, know anything about it? And that has something to do with Beeple's NFT artwork selling for almost $70 million in Christie's the other day, making it the third largest sale of any artwork of any living artist. Beeple tweeted, holy shit. Holy shit, why? He now has millions and millions and millions of dollars. By the way, he's going to take home around $40 million of that. That's not including the other artwork they sold, the one for $6.6 million the other day, and the crap ton of other art that he has. Speaking of this craze, Bad Luck Brian meme got put into an NFT and sold for $36,000. And as we know, the NBA Top Shot NFTs, these are like trading cards or highlights on NFTs, have gathered around $330 million in sales or acquisitions to date. 
But the question is, what are you really owning? And does this art actually have the staying power as like a Picasso? Well, first person I talked to about this is executive editor Jeff Roberts. And he's gonna tell us about what do you get when you buy an NBA Top Shot NFT? What do you own? Uh, real good, Matthew. Good to be back. You put out an article the other day and you're asking a very simple question. What do you own when you buy an NBA Top Shot NFT? And I want that answer. I think everybody else does too. Huh. Yeah, no, it's a great question because these things are really hot. The NBA at the sports leagues is doing the best job of selling them. But what do you get? I think the NBA likes to say it's like buying a sports card. Back in the day, you'd buy a pack of cards, a piece of cardboard, players, pictures, some statistics. Now what do you get? You get the digital version of that, they say. And that's sort of true. You get a unique thing that's registered. You can prove it's yours. It's one of maybe 10,000, one of 500. The more rare it is, more valuable it is. But what can you do with it? And this is where it gets interesting. They say you own it. But, you know, what do you really own? Um, you know, because owning something means you can do a lot of things with it. You can, you know, sell it. You can destroy it. You can, you know, put it on a billboard, things like that. Um, in this case, what you have is a license. You get a license to a little bit of NBA highlights. And that license I discovered uh, came with some limits. Um, there's some things you can't do with that. You can't uh, do something controversial. Suppose you want to take your player and put them, I don't know, in a, in a picture of, you know, something political, put it on the Internet. The NBA might come and say, hey, take that down. You can't do that. You can't modify it. You can't draw a mustache on Kevin Durant, you know? So, you know, maybe you can, but it says you have to ask permission. Normally, if you had a baseball card, you could, you know, sit there and, you know, chop it up or, you know, put glitter on them or whatever you want to do. You know, I, no, that was my thing. We know what I mean. So it turns out that sort of the ownership that comes with this is quite limited because if you behave in certain ways with it, the NBA might take it away from you or might, you know, make it stop functioning. So that's what I was poking around with that article. It's looking at what you can and can't do with your top shot. And it turns out the rights are quite limited. And let me just add one more. This isn't a surprise. You can't go and you know, start a broadcasting show. You know, you might want to branch out into broadcasting and use all your top shots to put together a highlight reel of NBA stuff. That probably wouldn't be cool either. You couldn't take your NBA top shot, put it on a t-shirt. You know, but that's, you know, the merchandising rights are going to stay with the NBA. So that's what I want to raise there. You know, it's a cool project. You know, NFTs are neat, probably have a place, but I think people should know the ownership rights are quite limited. Now that's very interesting that you can't do certain things with the ownership, but then we have to think about what the word ownership means. So what's the point of then owning an NBA top shot NFT then? Uh, I think it's an open question a lot of people are wondering right now. I mean, I know that I think the league is really pushing. They want to create sort of, you know, sort of the buzz of, around owning sports cards like people used to do. Um, you know, and even those sports cards, you couldn't do everything with it. You might have got like a Michael Jordan rookie card. Great. Good for you. That's worth money. You couldn't take that image and make T-shirts out of it. So, you know, even the, the old school sports cards were limited. So in terms of owning it, I guess it's, you know, if you like it, you think it's cool. And more critically, do other people think the same thing? Because if you want this to be valuable, it takes people agreeing it's worth something. You know, if I, if I conclude your thing's worth $500, great. You might conclude it's worth $0. So, you know, it depends how many people feel, you know, feel that there's something here or not. Because that's just the nature of value. It's like Bitcoin. You know, do enough people believe it's valuable? If so, it's worth something. If not, it's not. So... I think we're in the early stage, so I'm curious what's going to happen in the long run. So what is your opinion about an IP? I mean, look, it's totally fair that if somebody is maybe NFT or something and then they have a certain IP and you're actually borrowing this IP from different places, um, you know, there should be some limitations. I mean, you can't just NFT any work of art unless you actually own that work of art and destroy it, as we saw with the Banksy the, the other day. What is your opinion about owning the IP and this limitation of rights? 
Uh, it's we're in a new world here. I mean, I've studied copyright for a long time, and I think NFTs, in one sense, allow artists to make money. Say, hey, this is authentic. Buy a digital version, new income stream. It's working for some people, including Banksy. However, we're worried about counterfeits. I mean, it's the same old problem as the internet. You're seeing people monetize people's tweets without asking them and trying to sell them. You're seeing people grab people's digital art and put them on a blockchain and try to sell it, even though they're not the artist. And then, you know, can you imagine how hard it's going to be to try to find and sue these people if they're stealing your stuff you know it's, you know some guy in singapore who's on a boat somewhere on the pacific island who's found a decentralized you know internet platform to do this good luck suing him i guess my final question with this is look we're going to be moving forward with this and my biggest question with this and i have asked this opinion with all the other guests on this episode is i am more concerned about look you brought the michael jordan rookie card example you can still take that out of the, out of the box or whatever your protector case you have it in and look at it you put your eyes on it you can bring people over you can take a picture of it and send to your friends look what i got you know and then or you can sell it and people have something physical with uh the banksy as well with the physical banksy you can put it on the wall in a museum and put your eyes on it and people can see it and people could do that for the next 100 200 500 years just like any old michelangelo painting what is the lifespan of nft art look i have a apple apple tv and they're starting to delete the apps on it. I can't watch HBO Max on it anymore. I can't watch uh, YouTube on my old Apple TV anymore because it's just being obsolete. How long is the lifespan of an NFT? And how do we protect these NFTs in, to keep these valuable pieces of artwork, especially like the, the Beeple that just sold for $70 million, still relevant year after year after year? Yeah, you put your platform on something big here. You're right. It is a lot like it's another big platform, tech platform. Suppose you buy a book on Amazon. It's in your Kindle. Suppose you buy a song from Apple, it's in your iTunes. You're kind of at the mercy whether those companies exist and whether they're going to support it. So I think, yeah, you put your finger on something here. In the long term, how do we know these protocols, these platforms are going to last? You know, because with a physical piece of art, a baseball card, it's physical. You know, it's in your drawer. You know, might be worth something, might not be, but it's not going to just disappear. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a really valid concern. You know, the NBA obviously is not going to go away overnight be bad for the reputation if they just sort of, you know, gave up updating this. But what if it goes out of, out of fashion for a while? You know, you're going to need devs to make sure this is compliant with the new iOS. Uh, you know, what if no one updates it? What if the protocol breaks? Yeah, we're, we're in a new world here. And uh, I think that's another reason buyer beware is what's going what's gonna to happen long term. I don't know, but a very good question. Thank you very much, Executive Editor Jeff Roberts of Decrypt for coming on and talking NFTs with us. Next, I talked to the CEO of my Ether wallet, Kasala Hamachandra, and we're talking about, is this a bubble? And what's the longevity of this? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you very much for being here. Look, you have a different perspective about NFTs. We're ta talking about, you know, art on the blockchain and what, what have you. What we're also talking about is maybe physical items. Maybe that's a better use for NFTs. Can you talk to me and talk to my listeners about that walk us through it yeah just imagine so right now uh, if you're familiar with nfts it's all about digital art digital items getting sold in in ethereum you you have the bragging rights whatnot but i think the next level of nft will for sure be physical items bringing in physical items i know nike was doing some research on bringing in a verifiable proof for or, or authenticity to their nike shoes and at the same time just imagine uh buying a car as an NFT or buying a house as an NFT because nothing, it is a non-fungible token and nothing is stopping you from doing that. It's all like getting the, the regulations, law and everything in order for that to happen. 
and and that's probably will be the next step in nfts what do you think about art on the blockchain right now do you think that this cycle is just a hype cycle do you think it's just like the new trendy thing do you think that these art do you think that the art that's going for like 6.6 million dollars uh sold at christie's are really worth 6.6 million dollars i was actually 69 billion million dollars today yeah people it went when uh, it sold for 69 million dollars putting uh, people as one of the top three living artists in the world so that was amazing but no like 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 you mentioned before it's i i think current cycle is definitely a little overhyped because when you think about it right the nft the whole concept came in 2017 and it came out and then like obviously you probably know and some of the listeners know that uh, the crypto kitties were one of the biggest nft sales uh, at that point in time and then it switched to in-game items so right now it's like digital art that's like the buzzword everyone wants to buy everyone wants to take part of digital art and and in a way it's good because like it's very popular it's very understandable to a normal person you know new york times covers it basically like all the big news outlets covers it but i'm taking the perspective of that it's it's overhyped and it will probably die down just like everything else that happened in the past uh, related to nfts as well but the concept of nft will survive here's my question about this first of all yeah. i think that it is it could be a thing Art on the blockchain, I don't know how much art is worth, but you know, for mm -hmm. a Beeple for $69 million seems a little bit excessive to me. Yeah. It's a lot of money. My skepticism comes from the longevity of an NFT. Look, you can have a physical painting in your house. You can paint it down from generations to generations. You can put it in a museum and it's always going to have the same accessibility. You mm -hmm. get your ass to the museum. You put your eyes on that piece of art and you enjoy it in a hundred years, 200 years, you know, 300 years from now, we're talking about Michelangelo's are still, you know, you know, hundreds of years old. Are we mm -hmm. going to have the ability to access the digital art? Like we did right now, 300 years in the future, will the technology just be uh, archaic? Is, will there be actually a way for us to enjoy this art that people are buying for $69 million? That's actually a really good question. And un unfortunately I, 300 years down the line, anything could happen, right? Like it's, it's, it's one of those crazy things and digital, the technology is currently like evolving at an exponential rate. But I believe like, for example, when you think about a $69 million digital art, I'm pretty sure people will figure out ways to preserve it and then take it to the next level in like, in like 10 years, 20 years. So keep it, keep it up to date with the, with the technology. But I don't think we can tell the same thing for about like the paintings that are like $10, $10 or like $20 worth. So they, they might just die off. They might just disappear as we move forward in technology. I mean, for me, look, it. I have an Apple TV. I have the second generation Apple TV. They just discontinued HBO Max and YouTube. It's already antiquated, 10 years old. I can't, I have to go out and buy a new Apple TV. And so I'm looking at NFT art is saying, look, $69 million, mm -hmm. is it going to be antiquated? And the second thing is, whose job do you think it's going to be to keep up to date with this technology? The purchaser, the person who owns it, if you had $69 million piece of art in a museum, it's the museum's mm -hmm. responsibility to make sure that thing stays safe. Mm -hmm. With an NFT and black blockchain, man, if you lose your private keys or say one of these Ethereum forks, the London, the 2.0, the 3.0 starts switching things up, you might never be able to access thing. this. Whose responsibility is this? I think it, it totally goes down to uh, the buyer's responsibility or the person who actually owns it because the seller might just disappear one day and then no one will be able to track that person, right? Like example, think about a Banksy painting. And if it becomes a digital art, like where are you going to find the seller? Who's the seller? Nobody knows. So 
um, it, it'll go down to, okay, the buyer definitely has the responsibility of keeping it safe. At the same time, being up to date with what the hell is happening in the technology space, like what's happening to Ethereum? Oh, is it gonna be a problem if Ethereum moved down to like 2.0, 3.0, like 300 years, it's, it's a really long time and so many things can happen. And these are definitely things you have to consider before you buy an NFT or buy right, anything in, in Ethereum space. All right, Kasala, me and you are going to go into business together. Me and you are going to make the first NFT museum and we're going to be the curators of that art and we're going to preserve it for hundreds of years and we're going to make, be billionaires from this. What do you think? Nice, nice. Let's do it. Uh, they, all they have to pay is like maybe 10% of the 69 million. We are good. There you, there you go. There you go. Kasala Hemachandra, CEO of My Ether Wallet and the new curator and owner of the NFT museum with me, Co Matthew Co Aaron. Co-curator. 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 Yes. 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 Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh -huh, I appreciate course. that. I want my cut. Thank you for coming on the show. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. At the end of the day, I think that you just got to think outside the NFT box. Make sure that you're just not thinking digital art. But NFTs can be anything. Any physical good with a limited supply can be an NFT. Any physical good without a limited supply. You just keep printing and minting NFTs for whatever physical item that you want to have and putting their ownership on a blockchain. That's fine. You can have it in digital space. You can have scarcity. You don't have to have scarcity. So I think that with NFTs, the future is very bright. Because, like a Gucci bag that you want to make sure that's authentic, that can be an NFT. To a collector's car can be an NFT to a digital artwork or a virtual plot of land. All can be NFT. NFTs have a viable future, but in what fashion? That is what we will have to take caution with. And as you heard twice already in these conversations, what is the staying power of this technology? A Michelangelo can be viewed in a museum for centuries, but can an NFT? And briefly in other news, custody firm Bact receives bit license in New York. The New York Department of Financial Services, or the DFS, has today granted a bit license to Bitcoin custody firm Bact, making its 29th bit license. Bact CEO Gavin Michael says, This represents a major milestone to achieving our vision of making digital assets accessible to all. We're thrilled to continue driving innovation in this rapidly evolving industry, highlighted by its upcoming launch of the Bact app. Bitcoin lending firms see explosive growth and a surging demand. BlockFi, Celsius, and Nexo have hit milestones in assets under management as Bitcoin lending sectors take off. Combined, they now hodl $30 billion in assets. And finally, Binance investigated by the U.S. authorities over U.S. trading activity. Binance is subject to a new CTFC, or Commodities Trading Futures Commission's probe, that questions whether if Binance.com has let U.S. traders use their platform. Binance tweeted, It's not a bull market without some FUD. Ignore the FUD. Keep building. Basically, they're saying, hey, Binance.com, you can't operate in the U.S. Are you operating in the U.S.? And who's operating in the U.S.? They better not be Americans. Let us investigate to make sure. And if so, we might slap you with a fine. And if not, we might slap you with a fine. <laughs> but Binance.com, in my opinion, is probably going to be okay. Binance U.S. is doing everything. They're checking their boxes, so they're going to be okay. This probe, the way I understand it, is basically saying, Binance.com, you better not have U.S. citizens trading on your platform because we don't have the KYC and AML needed, and you don't have the licenses to operate with our citizens. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Aaron. I'll see you tomorrow with the weekend updates. Until then, if you have a spare moment, Go to Apple Podcasts, like, subscribe, share, and leave a comment. And if you're in the Midwest, it's a beautiful sunny day, and it's actually warm outside. So 
Go outside, get some sun, and go for a walk. Maybe go to the Metro Parks. I'll see you tomorrow. Until then, happy hodling. <laughs>